Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite on its fans. Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fans. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by our good friends at ESPN 730 AM on com. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan, we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, and joining me as he does every Thursday, insider, insider access into the Charlotte Hornets for ESPN 730, it's Justin Thomas. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? Um, it's Thursday, and I feel like I say that every Thursday. But it's good. Well, it's good that you say that on Thursday, you since know, that it, um, you know, it is Thursday. That's that's a very good point, and you know, we're almost at the middle of the week, uh, guys, if, if uh, and ladies. Uh, if it was a long work week, um, hopefully we can add a bright spot and talk good basketball and Hornets basketball. And tomorrow's Friday, so I feel like everybody should be able to smile because tomorrow's Friday. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, we have a bright spot to talk about because I think there, hope springs eternal for the Charlotte Hornets in the second half of the season. I, I don't think that that's uh, too arguable. I think the Hornets added a piece in Courtney Lee, got involved in the trade deadline, didn't give up too many, uh, really no long-term assets unless you count those second-round picks. Uh, And we'll talk more about Courtney Lee. We've got Joe Mullinax from the grizzlybearsblues.com, the SB Nation blog on the Memphis Grizzlies. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk about Courtney Lee, what he brings to the table. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. And with that, we say, let's warm Charlotte. First up on the agenda, I think we have to talk, we have to kind of get to some of the latest news uh, and, and luckily it's not breaking as we speak all of the news I think I mean the trade deadline Justin doesn't end until what 7 30 p.m but other than the Courtney Lee deal the Hornets were in some conversations with Dwight Howard and the Houston Rockets but those seem to have fizzled out at least for the time being we don't know what's going to happen between now and 7 30 p.m But I think before we get into the Courtney Lee deal, I think we should start with some of this Dwight Howard conversation. It came out earlier on Twitter from Frank Isola that, and we don't know if this is true or not, but this is what Frank was reporting, that the Hornets' offer for Dwight Howard was Al Jefferson, Spencer Hawes, and that's it. That was the offer for Dwight Howard. That's odd. Because I, I think a lot of us assume, Justin, that 
there was going to be a, a pick involved or maybe one of the younger players that that would be an offer. But that was Jefferson, Al Jefferson, and Spencer Hawes for Dwight Howard. I mean, come on, Rich Joe. Given that, that's a hard that's a hard first offer. No, actually, like in my head, was trying to think of a way I could do this, like Stephen A. Smith, and and try to go to bat for another fellow journalist and uh, Frank Isola, which is a very credible source. Though I don't know him personally, so I didn't really get to do my invitation the way I thought I could do it. <laughs> but as far as um, I don't know if you would call this maybe pa- pathetic. No, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call. It, no, listen, you don't. You never come into a negotiation with your best offer. Yeah. That sounds like a great first offer. You always offer less than what you're willing to take, and we don't know would be what what the the ceiling deal, if you will, for Dwight Howard would have been. But I, I love that as a first. I'll tell you one thing, Justin. What's up? I would not negotiate where to go to dinner with Richard Cho. Man, I like Rich. Why, why, Listen, he why would, do you he say would that, because he would pants me in a deal. I think. I mean, he gets he essentially gets Courtney Lee, a a veteran, consistent presence, a three and D guy for nothing for PJ Hairston, for Brian Roberts, and, and two second round picks that he probably wasn't going to use or deal anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like he should get four claps for that, right? Oh, at least I, you know um, a lot of people have. I've brought the hammer down on Rich Cho, and, you know, he's had some questionable moves. You know, I, I like Rich, and, you know, I feel like he did a good job because oh, I'm, I, I am a Tar Heel fan, um, as I feel like you guys should know by now, but P.J. Harrison just wasn't getting the Tough job loss. done. Tough loss last night. It was. I can't even talk about it. All right. And we'll take the Hornets, I guess. That, that's really – thank you. I appreciate that. And – Harrison just didn't get the job done. Um, he did a, an admirable job on defense, I guess you would say, and very in, inconsistent from deep. And if we would like to go by the, the coin term, 3ND, a guy that can shoot threes and play a little defense, Courtney Lee does just that. He's not going to take 10 shots a game. He's not going to ruin the flow of the offense. You know he's going to give a good deal of effort and consistency on the defensive end. And you know if we leave him open, he can knock down an open three-pointer or even just, you know, inside the three-point line. And I really think that's what Charlotte needs because, you know, they, they lost MKG, which was which was discouraging, um, I would feel like, for the most part, and, and for fans to say the same. But Rich Cho, he, he came through. He got, he got rid of Harrison, which wasn't really adding too many benefits in the pros and cons conversation, and he added a veteran. And what I really like about this is this shows that Charlotte, is fully committed to making a playoff push. Yeah, I think if there was any question about that, because certainly when you lose a key cog like MKG, I don't think that there would be a huge section of the fan base that would have blamed them for saying, all right, well, it's just, here we go again. This isn't our year. Let's kind of back the truck up and and, and figure this out. But they're not doing that. They they made another very – a quintessential Rich Cho move, bringing in a guy like Courtney Lee, and we've seen this before with McRoberts, with Neal, with Mo Williams, where you go out and you make a small deal, you don't sacrifice future, you know, large future assets, and you bring in a guy who um, could make an impact. But I put the emphasis on could because that's my question, and I hope to. Uh, clear some of this up with Joe Mullinax, who covered Courtney Lee for a few years while he was in Memphis. 
I just have a question about I, I think that Rich Cho has been very fortunate in that they got a guy in McRoberts and, and there was no indication that he was going to play the way he played while he was in Charlotte beforehand. I think the same could be said for Gary Neal. I think the same could be said for Mo Williams. I don't think that people thought that Mo Williams would have exploded the way he did on the offensive end, stepping in during that time when, when Kimball Walker was out. And Gary Neal provided a a consistent three-point shot when his performances in Milwaukee wouldn't have indicated that that was coming. He showed that in San Antonio, not necessarily in Milwaukee, but change of scenery. So I think they've. It's been a. I think it's been a mix of Rich Cho being savvy and a, and having a good staff that that can scout players and and find those kind of opportunities. But I think it's also a mix of fortune. I mean, the, ultimately, Rich Cho makes the deal, but the player has to go out there and play. And you just hope that that same scenario plays out with Courtney Lee, who so far has had a a, a decent year, pretty much online with with his career averages. And I just, that's my big question mark. Can magic happen for a fourth time in a row? I mean, this would make a fourth deal in, in this same kind of scenario that would have to go right for the Hornets. I don't know. Maybe it does, I, you know, but it's four in a row. That's tough to do. You know, um, I feel like I'm just going to echo the same sentiment as I did uh, last Thursday. Okay. okay. And and I like to I like to call it contract years. When guys yeah. know that they're going to have to put their best foot forward to get some money in the offseason, they're going to get it. And another thing is, is Courtney Lee, he's not in the West anymore. That's a grind. He was in the West with Memphis, and it's, it's a grind. Like, I mean, I, there's no – Well, it continues a trend of this off that started in the offseason of bringing in – they brought in Spencer Hawes. They brought in Jeremy Lin. They brought in Lamb. All three of those guys played in the West, and they've certainly seen success. That's a lot of S's. They've certainly seen success. Tongue twister. Yeah. In the East. I'm t- I'm telling you, it's. I wouldn't say it's a vacation, but it's vacation. <laughs> but it's not All as intense. Wanted. You know, like when you're in the West. Now, I don't want just to say like, you don't bring it every night, but you know, you have 82 games. It's a long season. And in the West, it might even feel long in 82 games. With One night you might have Oklahoma City, you might have the Clippers, you might have your hands full with James Harden one night. Well, guess what? Yeah, even though even though the West isn't as deep this year as it has been in past years, you're right. I think you still have to go up against this superstar talent. And if we bring this back to Courtney Lee, he's had to go up, up against that talent on the wing, which is where most of these guys are, are the most dangerous. You know the the Russell Westbrooks, KD. Um, the list goes on. The, you know, on. Golden I State mean, Warriors. I mean, you got to deal with Clay Thompson. If so, yeah, Portland. Their, their guard play is, is really nice. And what the Hornets have what, three games against Western Conference teams remaining in the second yeah, half like, of this schedule. So Courtney Lee will will finally escape. Oh yeah, a Western Conference schedule. Let's talk about the guys that the Hornets decided to part with. Brian Roberts, who spent about five minutes in Miami before getting moved to Portland. So that's another former Hornet, now Portland Trailblazer. He'll join Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley uh, in Portland. Uh, but we really got to talk about and, and 
I think Brian has done – he did everything he could for this team and, and played a, a valuable role off the bench. And certainly with Kimball Walker's injuries over the years, he's been uh, – I remember him – if I had to think of one memory of Brian Roberts is his game against John Wall last season where he absolutely shut John Wall down. And that doesn't happen often. It doesn't. And I think, you know, it's it's nice when you have guys that can for one or two games perform like that. Uh, and, and he was certainly that. But we have to talk about P.J. Hairston because and, – and I know – I don't want to say you're happy about it, but you certainly were not a huge P.J. Hairston fan. How do you feel about the Hornets finally deciding to cut ties with P.J. Hairston? It was, don't take too much joy. It was bittersweet. I root for every Tar Heel in the league to, to have a, a long – um, NBA career. You know, I like to see my heels do well, but um, this is, you, you know, I, I want to talk a little about P.J. Harrison in depth. I don't know how how much of you guys um, follow recruiting, but P.J. Harrison was highly recruited. I do believe he was a McDonald's All-American. Um, he was a top five small forward, if not like the second or third best small forward in the country. Highly touted as a shooter. He got to Carolina, and I'm thinking, shooter. Oh, he's just going to consistently stretch the floor. At at times he did it, but he wasn't consistent with it. And then he'd go on a tear, um, I believe, what year was it, 2012? I think he had a really good, like, back half of the year when he ended up messing up his hand. And, you know, he had his, his troubles off the court, and he landed in Charlotte. So when Charlotte ended up getting P.J. Harrison, I was like, this is dynamite. 6'6", six, six, I think he's like 230, very athletic, can shoot it good size, weight, strength. And this is a home run for a bargain. But it didn't turn out that way. And he can't, he was a bargain, all right, but he didn't provide the home run. And, you know, there would be times, there's nothing more frustrating than a guy being, you know, regarded as a shooter. But when he's wide open, he can't hit. And there were times where you were like, how is this guy open for, you know, three to four open threes each game? There's a reason why he was open. Because nobody feared him to not feared him that he knocked down those threes, and you know it was it was frustrating. And then you say, okay, we need him to play a little defense, fill in for Michael Kidd Gilchrist. You know, good size, good weight, good strength, good agility. You think he'll do that? Do a uh, maybe not a great job, but you know, a a good job to maybe even really good. But that's even really good is a stretch. And then you watch games and you see him pick up two fouls in the first four minutes. You see him get lost on pick and rolls. Well, I mean, there there were consistency issues, but I think he did everything that was asked of him, and he, he did. Play, he played the situation, I think, to uh, uh, the the best of his ability, and, and he'll continue to grow as a young player. We'll we'll see how he develops uh, now that he's in Memphis. And speaking of Memphis, we've got uh, on the Hive Talk Live hotline Joe Mullinax from Grizzly Bear Blues dot com the SB Nation blog on the Memphis Grizzlies here to tell us a little bit more about the Hornets' newest acquisition, Courtney Lee. Joe, how are you doing, friend? You know, it, it, I could complain, but it wouldn't do any damn good. So I'm doing all right. I'm I'm hanging in there. I hope y'all are having a good one. And complain, you complain, pretty... wait, complain, complain. What did you? What, yeah. Did you see some Memphis? Did you see some Memphis barbecue? Is that why? No, 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 no. Now, I definitely don't have to complain about Memphis barbecue. If we're talking barbecue power rankings, that Memphis barbecue is number one with a bullet. 
So we can talk about that until the cows come home. Uh, right. You know, yeah. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take we'll take that conversation offline. What I really want to know about, and I think what our fans uh, would like to know, is, is what the Hornets are getting in in Courtney Lee. Let's start here. In, in one sentence, Joe, can you sum up your experience watching and covering Courtney Lee in Memphis? I can do it for you in two words: uh, wonderfully frustrating. And I say uh-huh. that because he is a player that is very good. Uh, I believe it was Nylon Calculus who recently put out an article talking about how he's arguably the best 3 and D player in Grizzlies history. Uh, Lots of people would disagree with that if you consider James Posey from the 2003-2004 season. Obviously, Shane Battier was a Grizzly for a time. So there's people that would pick bones with that, but there's no denying that Courtney Lee definitely brings you versatility as a defensive wing. He brings you the opportunity – in theory, to hit three-point shots. But at the same time, and in terms of community guy, in terms of a teammate, like it sounds like P.J. Hairston has had some uh, locker room issues in the past or he's been a bit of a headache, that's not going to be Courtney Lee. He's going to be active in your community. He's going to do tremendous things for your organization. However, there are frustrating things about Courtney Lee. Courtney is a guy who will, uh, just using the Memphis example, Courtney Lee is a guy who will see an open shot, and instead of taking the open shot, he'll pass to Tony Allen. And unfortunately, Tony Allen will take the open shot, and that's a guy that you don't want taking that open shot. <laughs> there's no doubt um, about that. So if there's somebody in Charlotte who you don't like taking open shots, uh, Courtney Lee will probably pass to them at some point. Um, why, do, so why, do you think, why, do you, why do you think that is? Was there, was there any indication about why he was hesitant to take open shots? He's just kind of tentative. You know, you watch his game, and there's games where he's more overly aggressive, and there's games where he kind of fades. And that's one of the major issues with him is he wasn't the guy that Memphis needed him to be every night. Now, his mean playing style, his mean overall average how am I as a basketball player is very good. Don't get me wrong. He's a good role player, and I think especially next to Batum, and Kemba there in Charlotte, he's going to have a lot of success. But he's not going to be anything other than a role player who is able to hit threes, who's able to maybe a little bit off the dribble, get to the basket. He has a little floater that he likes to shoot. But he's not a guy that you really can look at and depend on night in and night out, not in terms of being a good person, but in terms of being a basketball player, he's going to be aggressive enough to find his shot consistently. He has been described as, and you described him as a, as a good three and D player. Talk more about his defense. What are we, is he a better team defender than, than straight up one-on-one on ball defender or vice versa? What, how would you describe Courtney Lee's defensive ability? Well, I think he can fit into whatever you need. Uh, the, the thing with Courtney Lee is he is versatile enough to where, especially, you know, the trend in the NBA, especially in the Eastern Conference, your John Walls, uh, to a lesser extent, your Derrick Roses. You know, you have some big point guards out there in the East. He's a guy who can, when he was playing with the Grizzlies, you know, could defend, in theory, a Russell Westbrook. He could defend those bigger point guards, and he could save Mike Conley from having to defend the larger wing. So, in Charlotte, he could theoretically do the same thing for Kemba Walker. He could allow for Kemba to maybe play off the ball a little bit more. Courtney was the emergency point guard uh, for the Grizzlies, so he, he can do that in a pinch for you. 
But he, he's a guy who can defend multiple positions on the wing. Obviously, Memphis really likes to overload and make you uh, kick the ball to the opposite side. So he can play in that kind of scheme. He can play man defense. Um, the thing that was Courtney's knock in Memphis, defensively at least, in, in the eyes of the head coach, Dave Yeager, was he was kind of undersized. And when you have Tony Allen, Jeff Green, who they don't have anymore, and Courtney Lee, and you have to choose between those you know, two guys for – or excuse me, choose between those three guys for two spots. You know, there are a lot of times where Dave Yeager would go Jeff Green instead of Tony Allen, and when he was asked about it, he would say, oh, you know, we needed length. We needed size in there. We needed Jeff for the size. So it all com- also comes down to how your coach kind of approaches personnel. If he could give a damn less about size, then Courtney Lee will be a guy that will come in and give you good looks defensively, especially against uh, a point guard or a shooting guard, a one or a two. Um, if he does care about size, there might be times where you see him maybe not playing as much, and you'll question why. And it's because he, you know, at six foot five, he, he's not going to be your typical, you know, three. He, he is undersized to defend a larger wing, but point guard, shooting guard, he can defend either of those, and I think he can do relatively well. There were stretches against the Oklahoma City Thunder where he uh, defended Russell Westbrook pretty okay, which, as you guys I'm sure know, uh, defending Russell Westbrook, period, is pretty difficult. So he's able to do that for stretches against those bigger point guards. So I was doing a little bit of a tape study, just just really sticking to this past season, and and I noticed one thing about Courtney is that if – somebody closes out pretty quickly on a three. He has the ability to shot fake one dribble pull up from mid range. Is that something that while he was in Memphis was considered an asset or was that considered uh, one of those things where you go, no Courtney. And if it went in, you went, okay. And if it didn't, you know, what, what, what was, was that viewed as an asset or a frustration? Well, it, it's viewed. It depends on how Memphis for your listeners who maybe don't know as much about the Memphis Grizzlies, they're offensively challenged. And Courtney Lee was one of our better offensive players. So when Courtney has the offensive awareness, as you said, to feel the presence of a closing out defender, able to get him off his feet or fly by, take a quick dribble and still hit the jumper, we'll take that because Jeff Green, the Clippers will find this out soon enough, Jeff Green can't do that consistently. Uh, Neither can Tony Allen, Matt Barnes, go up and down the list. But Courtney Lee could. So that's a positive in terms of offensive awareness. In terms of value of that shot, obviously nowadays lots of teams you're either at the basket or you're hitting the three. But again, in Memphis's case, you just wanted the ball to go in the damn basket. So he was able to do that for the Grizzlies, uh, again, when he was willing to take the shot. There's other times where he'll, t- he'll do that quick dribble, and then, again, he'll pass to a Tony Allen or he'll see a, a slashing Jeff Green. And it's a lot like the frustration the Grizzlies fans have with Marcus Gasol when he doesn't have, you know, foot fractures. It's, mm-hmm. it's the concern of sometimes when you're thinking you're making the best basketball play, you are the best basketball play. It's you. Courtney Lee was one of our better offensive players. So when you take that mid-range jumper, we would prefer that to a Tony Allen layup. That might not sound like it makes a ton of sense, but it does when you watch Tony Allen play offensive basketball. And in fairness to Tony, he has been better at times with his efficiency at the rim. But the overall point is when you have a guy like a Lee who has that ability to do that quick little dribble, that little sidestep, when he has that potential athletically, he's an underrated athlete, when he has the potential athletically to get to the basket, and when he is able to convert those threes when he's willing to take the shot, 
wherever it is, it's usually a good shot. Courtney has good form. He has good, you know, wrist alignment, his elbows. Uh, we have a writer, Andrew Ford, over at grizzlybearblues.com, who's done a great job in the past breaking down shot uh, form. And Courtney Lee has one of the better forms that you'll see. You can tell when it's going in when Courtney shoots it. So the mid-range game is good. His three-point game is streaky but good. That, that, that's going to be the major thing that Charlotte fans are going to be frustrated by. He's going to have games where he doesn't necessarily win you the game, but you look back on it and you look at the box score and you say, wow, Courtney had a really good game tonight. And then there's going to be stretch of the games where he's going to take four shots and he'll make one of them, and none of them will be threes. And that'll be frustrating for you. We're here with uh, Joe Mullinax from grizzlybearblues.com, the SB Nation blog on the Memphis Grizzlies, talking about Courtney Lee. But you, you did mention Charlotte fan frustration. Two guys that, that Charlotte fans have been frustrated with over the past couple of years, P.J. Hairston and Lance Stevenson. Uh, <laughs> the, the team that you cover now now contains both of those forces. Um I guess what we want to know, and I'm sure the the people listening want to know, is are you okay? <laughs> are oh, you going to oh, be okay? I, I'm fantastic. I, I think most Grizzlies fans, and I say this as a Jeff Green unapologetic lover. Like I, I'm from the Washington, D.C. area where Jeff Green is from. I followed him since Georgetown. I, I like Jeff Green a good bit. And I caught a lot of flack for it because there are people that were Grizzlies fans, there's a real strong section of Grizzlies fans who are very analytics-based, and they understood what I, most folks understand now, except for Doc Rivers apparently, that Jeff Green is never going to be the answer to anything. And I thought Jeff Green might be the answer, and he wasn't for Memphis. Uh, so turning Jeff Green and Courtney Lee into a P.J. Hairston, who they can take a flyer on. If he walks, he walks, but he's a young player who they could theoretically bring back. Memphis doesn't have a ton of guys signed for next season, so Harrison should be a cheap possible wing that they could bring back and get a fold if they choose to keep him um, because he'll be an unrestricted free agent because Charlotte didn't pick up that team option. Uh, to turn two guys who were not a part of their future plans, Jeff Green and Courtney Lee, into a first-round pick, four second-round picks, Birdman, who, again, adds to the crazy of the Memphis Grizzlies now, and Hairston, I mean, that's, you know, four second-round picks, a first-round pick, a uh, backup big in Birdman, who can't be worse than Ryan Hollins. And Hairston, I mean, that's really not bad. And ever since Mark Gasol went down, even when Gasol was healthy, you look at the Western Conference, you see the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs and the historically good seasons that they're having, and, and there's no point. You know, the Grizzlies were fighting for a five seed just so they could get out of the first round. I mean, even Oklahoma City is a monster with Durant and Westbrook. So now that Gasol is gone for the season and possibly longer, they made the right decision. They got future assets for a possible bigger move. They, they're planning on making a pitch to Kevin Durant and free agency this summer, which isn't going to happen. But the fact that they're willing to do that tells me that they are willing to pursue maybe more realistic players like a Nicola Batum like a Chandler Hey, hands off, buddy. I'm telling you, my point is... No, I don't think... Listen, I don't think... You're you're not going to be... The the Grizzlies won't be the only team uh, trying to... Oh, no, 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 no. Sure. I mean, Toronto is definitely in the running for Nick Batum, and what, something came along the the Twitter timeline maybe yesterday that said that uh, Nick Batum would immediately get a max offer in the off season, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I have good news for you, Joe. Uh, if you were ever frustrated by Courtney Lee's reticence to shoot the ball, let me tell you, Lance Stevenson, P.J. Harrison, you got two guys that are that have never 
uh, once in their life been accused uh, of of hesitating to shoot the ball. So. And we also have Matt Barnes, and we have Vince Carter. We've got some guys now hey. that are going to shoot the darn basketball. It's it's if shoot your shot twenty sixteen. Memphis is going to be the most entertaining team to watch these last twenty nine games. I mean, uh, it, it's going to be like a WWE match. It, it's going to be crazy. Nobody nobody is going to mess with a lineup of Mario Chalmers, Lance Stevenson, Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, <laughs> Chris Anderson. Nobody's that is a Matt Barnes. That is a whole. That is a whole lot of crazy. That's crazier than a, than a season of American Horror Story. That's that's insane. <laughs> We're going to find out how good of a manager of men Dave Yeager is. And, and, and Joe, before I thing. maybe it's a good test you know, for him. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Before before we let you go, I, I believe that uh, we made a little bit of a gentleman's bet on Twitter uh, the, uh, the last oh. time the Hornets and the Grizzlies locked horns, and it looked we like did. for a while I was going to lose this bet. Uh, but yeah. but I did not, and the Hornets made a valiant comeback, and I believe I'm owed at least uh, a one little uh, lyric from Adele on this show. Yes, yes, you are <laughs> owed from Adele. I believe the original bet was hello, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't follow new Just Adele. give me any I'm Adele. We'll much, take any Adele at this point. I'm very much like my Kanye West. I prefer old Adele like I prefer old Kanye. <laughs> old Adele um, and no Taylor Swift. That's uh, you, uh, like no, I like Taylor. Don't talk bad about Swifty now. She ain't bad. I, I like I like Taylor. Okay. But, uh, All right. Give, give us anyway, our give okay. us our one little bar. Some, some Adele. Okay. Uh, let's see. We could have had it all. <laughs> Rolling in the deep. There you go. Rolling in the deep in the deep south. I love it. Joe Mullinax from grizzlybearblues.com. He still owes me chicken and yams from Four Way Soul Food in Memphis. Uh, We'll we'll wait on that FedEx delivery. Uh, But until then, Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, Good luck with all of your new roster additions, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Sure thing. We go live on Blog Talk Radio ourselves here in about an hour with our podcast, GBB Live. We're going to try to sort through it all. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Joe Mullinax. Thank you. Grizzlybearblues.com for your Memphis Grizzlies news and analysis. Uh, another partner. That's that's one of the best things about partnering up both with ESPN 730 and SB Nation is that we get so many intelligent voices to come on the show and, and that can break out. That can break things down. I mean, that was great. I mean, now I feel like I know more about Courtney Lee than I than I did on Tuesday. And honestly, I had a little bit of a question about whether Courtney Lee was more like Gary Neal than Nick Batum, somebody who was I know this is not going to make a ton of sense when I first say it, but consistently uh-huh. inconsistent. So like you look at his averages over his career and they've been, you know, ten points. Uh, the three rebounds, and and it looks like oh man, you know he's been able to contribute about the same his entire career, and that's what you want out of your role player. You want consistency, but that could also mean ten points one night, zero points another night, and then you know trading off. The, so you can be consistently inconsistent, and I think that's what Hornets fans experienced with the bad side of Gary Neal. One night he would come in and give you 15 to 18 points on six of seven shooting. And then another night would go, you know, two of 15 and, and just really put your team in a bad way. But according to Joe, it sounds like Courtney Lee doesn't suffer from the bombs away disease that 
Gary Neal and PJ Hairston and others have suffered, but instead can be somewhat hesitant when you need Courtney Lee to step up. Um, I would, that might not be a problem on this team because no. there's so much other offense. It was a problem yeah. in Memphis. Um, I definitely think it was a problem in, in, in Memphis because they needed him to do more. In Charlotte, he's not going to need to do all of that. Um, I would say the problem that happened with Gary Neal is Gary Neal was fine until I guess he felt like he could do more and started putting the ball on the floor rather, you know, shooting. Um, and that's where he went south. And once he started thinking he could create off the dribble, it was time to let him go. But what I like about Courtney Lee is Courtney Lee is going to come in and he's going to fit. Sometimes I also think that, you know, being hesitant is better than taking a bad shot because sometimes that can lead to long rebounds, transition buckets, all types of things you don't want. And he's going to come in, and I think there'll be some games where he might score 10 points because, you know, he's feeling confident in his rhythm. And I think there'll be games where where he'll be, you know, anywhere from two to five points. And I, I won't say it's inconsistent. Um, I guess you would say inconsistent scoring-wise, but I don't think it'll be inconsistent in his game because he's not a guy that's going to take many shots. Like, I I could see him at maybe six shots a game, and, and six might even be a lot, maybe six to seven. And yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think the Hornets will ask him yeah. to do a ton on offense because you already have – although I'll say this, I mean, he's brilliant at, at finding ways to sneakily get open – and get to the corner, and and I can definitely see some scenarios where Batum comes off that handoff and the initial three isn't open and he makes that drive and then kick to Courtney Lee in the corner. I mean, that could be a very successful play for the Hornets in the future, and, and we'll, we'll just have to see how it develops. I think it's exciting that, that Courtney Lee steps into a situation in Charlotte where it, it's really an open book be, because there are so many weapons as opposed to when he was in Memphis there were very few weapons. So his whole sort of way to approach the game may be different. And, and we'll, have to, we'll have to continue to see how he adjusts to that. And I was just reading up a little bit of history. So his rookie year was in Orlando, the year that Orlando went to the finals mm-hmm. with Dwight Howard and Clifford on the bench of that team. Oh, Clifford. So he had, you know, some, a little bit of contact with Clifford. Uh, before, but uh, then he gets traded, sort of, and it it made Dwight Howard mad. It kind of came out of nowhere, but what Courtney Lee gets traded off of that, even though he had a great playoff run his really rookie good. year, and it, it sort of, I think it it may have affected his career in a weird way because he he did he had that little bit of a playoff launch his rookie year, and then to get traded so suddenly off of that team, a promising team. Um, I don't know. I, I just think I think it you, it can't help but affect your career trajectory. Um, but I will say this: he's played on several playoff teams. And Clifford has mentioned it already that he has that playoff experience, which the Hornets do not have a ton of. I mean, what Hawes has played in a few, Lynn has played in in several, Man, but there aren't a lot of not many. I mean, you, to win series. To a certain, you have to have certain guys that know how to win series and put series away. And and Courtney Lee has been on those types of teams, and that's an asset as the Hornets continue to to make that push. You know, one thing I I like about this is it's not a a super sexy name, but I don't think you always need name. I think you need quality. You need substance. And 
I really, I really think this is a nice move. Like it, it might not be great. Courtney is not an unsexy name. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it usually I've I've met some pretty girls named Courtney. Uh, I think maybe one was unattractive, but you rarely come across unattractive uh, female Courtneys. But that could be different otherwise. But I, I really think it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something good because I feel like the the biggest issue for the Hornets this year, outside of health, has been defense. Sure, and. I feel like half of I feel like the majority or a little bit over half of their uh, remaining stretch of the game over these last two months on the road. And what it takes to win on the road is a little bit of defense. And he's, he's not Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, but now he's listen, he's going to get beat occasionally by quicker wings, but he does bring a good defensive mentality, probably a similar defensive mentality that that PJ brought, but just he's not going to make as many team defense mistakes. He's not going to, you know, help one pass away often. Um, you know, he's going. He knows how to play defense the right way, and so he's not going to make those critical mistakes uh, throughout the course of a game. And, and as you pointed out, the fouling situation. I mean, the fouls are derived normally from mistakes on defense and. You know, I just don't think you're going to see that many with Courtney Lee as you did with with PJ Harrison. But I'll say this: Steve Clifford is 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 still staunchly defending PJ Harrison's whatever fans have to say. I like that. Don't don't tell Steve Clifford that PJ uh, was a disappointment or that he was a frustrating presence uh, because Clifford, as uh, we heard on his interview uh, on the Mac Attack on a local radio station here. Um, you know, Clifford defends his players and, and, you know, he uh, praised PJ again, just for the same things that we've talked about. It's admirable that he did everything that he was asked to do. He cleaned up his act to a certain extent, had some issues, uh, seemed to bring a more professional attitude as the year went on. And it just, I think it was just a situation where this team wants to, not only get to the playoffs, but win that playoff series. And you have to, if you have an opportunity to bring in a guy who has that playoff experience and has a little bit more consistency in his offense, then you bring that guy in. And so you can't fault Cho for doing that. Yeah. A big thing, a big thing in Clifford is effort. Effort, purpose, it it goes a long way with Clifford. And Hairston, he, he had, he had the right effort. Um, his, his purpose was there for the most part, and you know that they just upgraded. He he just wasn't really good. He's he's still young, still has you know a lot of years left. He 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 just didn't um, provide you know enough that they needed. And 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 I think it, it it goes a long way when you really stand up for your players because in Charlotte, everybody in Charlotte, which I well I won't say everybody, a lot of people um, were so ready to bring the hammer down on Lance Stevenson, and I thought that was. Um, really unfair and Clifford was stood up for Stevenson um didn't yeah. say one bad thing about him Stevenson came and and actually came to play and came to work he just wasn't any good in Charlotte and and what I liked about that is is you need some and you have some coaches that's going you know put it out there sometimes you know well, that's the say. thing whatever we don't know we're not in the locker room we're not at practice we're not at practice when they're actually practicing every day we don't know what's going on 
But there is something to be said about what you put out there in the public sphere. So whatever happened between, with P.J. Harrison or whatever happened with Lance Stevenson, you you had Steve Clifford being a, a, a stable presence towards the media. And, and you had Stevenson. I mean, we can remember Stevenson had plenty of opportunities to take shots at the situation Never while did. he was here. Never did. No, he waited till he went to Los Angeles. But again, I think – you know, the way your head coach reacts and puts things out in public will inevitably bleed down into your roster. It definitely will. And you can look at you look no further than Byron Scott in Los Angeles, where oh, he God. almost puts everything out in the media and, and and it bleeds down into the morale of the roster. Oh, and, and so, no, I think it hurts me, for the players that are still in Charlotte playing, bleeding, sweating for this team, it, it it's good for them to hear that. You know, if something happens with them, if they leave the team or if, you know, that Clifford, at least to the public, will, uh, you know, tell tell the public that these guys did the best they could. I want to say one more thing about Harrison. We we all know that Harrison had a a checkered past, as many like to say, and, and rightfully so. He has some things that, you know, you scratch your head and say, why? And there were two things that stood out to me this year, and I think that shows, um, you know, some advancement in um, Mr. Harrison's maturity. Uh, I'm going to say somewhere around November, um, you know, Harrison, he wasn't great, but he wasn't awful. And there was a time after practice, you know, and everybody's walking off the floor. You know, Clifford's addressing us, you know, in the media and, you know, asking your questions. And PJ is kind of trying to skate off into the locker room. <laughs> and mid-statement, Clifford halts. PJ, uh, don't forget we have film to watch. PJ come, PJ comes back, and you could and you could catch the drift that PJ was trying to slide out without watching film with Coach. We've all been guilty of it. And and I and I sat and I, and I watched. And I said, "There's no way that this could be happening for a guy that you know they need more out of." There's just no way that a guy could you know be in the doghouse as often as he was at times. And then when he's trying to build his relationship with the coach, he's trying to bail off. And then I would say late December, January, he started to hang around a little bit more. Mm. Um, he was taken because he, he struggled to shoot the ball. And there were times he would stay after with Bruce and he would he'd go out there and shoot and he would shoot and he would shoot. And even going in the shoot around at, at um, a lot of pregame shoot arounds, Sometimes he would just come out, you know, he might be with Steven Silas or or any other assistants. In his back half, he was out there with Bruce yeah. working well, on this shot. I, I think P.J. Hairston's story is just getting started. Uh, we, you know, I, I don't think that he's by any stretch of the imagination done in the NBA. I think that he still has plenty of opportunity to to turn things around to the positive in Memphis again. We heard from Joe. That's going to be a team of opportunity. There's going to be plenty of opportunity to play and, and shoot your shot. So good luck, PJ. He he excited us. He frustrated us. Uh, bombs away. Good luck to you. I my can friend. say this: that um, once it was announced that he didn't pick up his pick up his offer, he was definitely putting in more work. Sadly, he got traded, but you know he still has a future. So now the Hornets turn their attention to Courtney Lee, who Joe Mullinax called wonderfully frustrating. We don't need that, do we? <laughs> well, you, I mean, uh, you know, you can't, unless you're the Golden State Warriors, you can't ask for, you know, nine, ten guys who, who don't have some frustrating part of their game. 
Uh, but it's good to know that Courtney Lee will will be involved in the community. That he'll that he's a good locker room presence. I think you need those those kind of guys, and you certainly you certainly have to respect the the strategy that the Hornets have taken, which is make the small deal, don't sacrifice the long term for the short term. Uh, you know they they certainly want to win now, but I will disagree with my co-host David Walker when he said. They want to win at all costs. I think it's pretty clear that they don't want to win at all costs. They they want to win at a cost that is reasonable for their future. And, you know, they've got a ton of expiring contracts coming up into this next offseason. So they'll have you know plenty of opportunity to make the future that they want to make in Charlotte, whatever that is. If it involves Nick Batum, if it involves Courtney Lee, if it involves another free agent, we just don't know. But you know, for all intents and purposes, they are still on the hunt for play, not only a playoff spot. I mean, you have to understand they're they're only several games back of the fourth seed, and 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 teams in the East. You've got Chicago falling away. You've got a possibility. I mean, look, Atlanta did not make the moves that people thought it led. They didn't blow the team up like some speculated Atlanta would. Although we've still got, <laughs> we've still got forty five minutes to go, but. I think Atlanta has obviously they've maxed out the potential of that roster. So if cracks start to show there that they've got issues, and I think the Hornets have such a favorable schedule in the second half that there there is a, a, again a lot of hope. But they have to perform on the road, and it starts with five straight road games five. to end February. So the the test is now, and they don't have Courtney Lee. He's the physical didn't come through, so he won't be available Friday. They hope to have him available for the Brooklyn game, and we could see Al Jefferson return. I mean, that's big. Yeah, I, um, you know, you always have to uh, plug your writing, so I have to do that again. Plug it. And um, earlier this week, I did put out something um, on the Charlotte Hornets, and it goes about the line of this: the the Hornets. It's on the table for the for the Hornets. If they want to make the playoffs, and you know they're at the eight seed at the moment, they can easily get to the easily get to the fifth or sixth seed if, if they play well enough. Like the opportunity is there. Um, Clifford said, you know, Jefferson is moving around. You know, the best he's seen in a while. Um, Jefferson said that. Well, we saw that earlier in the year because we were all wondering because yeah, he lost weight. We lost weight. Like, how would that affect his game? And I thought while he was healthy, that defensively he was moving around better than I had seen him moving around. He was still making you know, mistakes here and there, which you, you expect. He's not a great defensive player. And I remember Clifford getting on him. What was it the sack? I believe it was the game against Sacramento earlier in the year. Yeah, when him, when him they Clifford, got into it. They, they tussled because there's still that there's still that next level that he is unable to get to in terms of uh, defending when somebody gets by Kemba Walker, somebody gets by Nick Batum, he's not stepping up and putting that body in front of that player. So, you know, you want to, you want to see, yeah, that's what you'll be paying attention to with Al Jefferson. How does he look movement wise, not only on defense, but on the offensive side of the, uh, the ball? Is he, is he switching sides of the floor or is he, you know, permanently camping on that left block those will be interesting things to watch against Milwaukee. You don't, I mean, he's not going to play maybe what, 15 minutes. I mean, he's got to get back Somewhere into that. Now. Yeah. Again, and, big guys normally have to sort of work yeah, in and know, get back gotta, into shape. You got to work them big boys in there. And, <laughs> and you know, I I had a hunch about this just for me, just, just shooting shots off of my, I mean, shooting thoughts around is when he came back, 
he ran better, but he still kind of didn't look like kind of great. And if you know how Al Jefferson, you know, walks, he kind of has, you know, a little Mississippi strut to it. It's, it's like a, it's like a, I don't know if you call it like a, a, a gimp in it. It's a little odd, like kind of, kind of walk. Yeah. And he said, um, you know, granted he lost weight coming to the season, the the knee was still bothering him. Like he said, he started the year in pain because of the knee was bothering him. So now you think he he ran better when he lost weight. Now his knee is good, and it goes it goes back to the contract. He's looking for a job next year. Courtney Lee's looking for a job next year. Um, you know everything is looking up. And as far as these next five games, I don't expect him to go five and zero. Oh. Um, uh, if there's any loss, I'm probably going to guarantee. I think it's to Cleveland. I, I think Cleveland's going to play much better at home. I feel like but, they have to go two and three. Yes. Yeah. At the worst. And, and and if they get this Milwaukee win, I'll be honest, I think the Milwaukee win would be a steal because – Because they've been the, struggling too. Well, the Hornets struggled mightily with the size that Milwaukee threw out. And I, they – you know, Milwaukee is not a team that's known for shooting threes, and they shot 41% from beyond the arc in that last contest that the Hornets lost against Milwaukee in Time Warner Cable Arena where they don't tend to lose. They don't. So – you know, and they've got some injuries apart. They may get Al Jefferson back, but it looks like Marvin Williams, I think, is questionable. Jeremy Lamb has some 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 dings. So, you know, they'll definitely need a lot out of Kimball Walker, but they're going to have to play physical from the jump and get a Absolutely. body on a body and and figure out a way to to solve this Milwaukee team that can throw. You know, Greg Monroe, who's always given the Hornets problems. And uh, Giannis and Jabari. I mean, you got to find a way to to limit what they can do at their size. They're, they're outrun them, dude. They're huge. Like Clifford said today, them. he was like, "They're they're huge. They're, they're long." Like, what is it? Who is the shortest starter? Like, like what? Six, six, three, six, four. Like they are they are long. MC, yeah, they 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 have Michael. Because uh, I think Carter he was six six. Yeah, he's a tall point guard. I mean, they are long, and I think I. Th- even if they lose that game, I think they have to play well. Because I, I tell you this, out rebounded by eleven in that loss earlier in the season. Like you, like you would think, forty six to thirty five. You know, being twenty seven and twenty six, um, th- uh, this team would be optimistic. This is an extremely confident team. I mean, extremely confident. And, and a few weeks ago, Clifford said, "Yeah, you know, this team has never lacked confidence." Um. The only thing that is bothering them is it's hard. He was saying it's hard to be confident when, when you're not winning on the road. Like you know, belief is great, but belief doesn't result in victories. So I'm they, sorry. I, I just want to correct something. I don't. It wasn't Lamb. It was uh, Hawes that I was thinking of. That back. Is, yeah, has a back issue, lower back strain. He's likely to miss two or more games, according to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. And then of course Marvin Williams with the neck strain. He's listed as questionable. So we'll see. We'll see if they can they can pull it together against Milwaukee again. I think that's if they win that game, that's going to be a steal and, and could signal good things. Uh, but if they lose, I wouldn't be surprised because I just think no. they're they're always going to struggle against teams with size. But it will be interesting to analyze how Al Jefferson and his size uh, makes a difference because they did not have Big Al in that last contest against Milwaukee, and it was one of those matchups afterwards where we went. Okay, I get it. This is where you miss Big Al. This is where mm-hmm. you miss that presence inside on the defensive boards where, again, they got heavily out-rebounded by the Milwaukee Bucks. 
We'll keep our eye on it, and uh, David and I will be back on Fox 46 Charlotte this weekend on Good Day Charlotte. You can check us out at uh, 8.30 a.m., Fox 46 on your local dial, or you can go to fox46charlotte.com and check out a live stream. We'll be talking uh, Hornets with Caitlin Lockerbie, the the anchor for the weekends, and and we always love talking to her. And also, I did an interview with – on the beat, in, let me let me make sure I get this plug right. On the beat NBA, on the NBA beat. Oh gosh, go to at on the NBA beat. It's a, another podcast, and they basically go team by team, and they they talk to experts and they talk to national guys. And uh, so check them out on Twitter at on the beat, and uh, you can on the NBA beat, and you can search uh, iTunes and Stitcher and, and look up their podcast. I'm on their latest episode. We talked a lot about the Hornets, a lot about Courtney Lee. And it was just a great time. So check them out. And, and I believe I retweeted it on our twi- uh, Twitter feed as well. We're doing a lot more on Instagram. So follow us there at uh, Hive Talk Live and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. That'll do it for us Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our guest, uh, Joe Mullinax, who did a great job breaking down uh, everything about Courtney Lee. And uh, he made me, I, I still have some question marks, but I, I think I'm definitely excited about the signing and, and what it means for the team. They have a, you know, a true shooting guard right now. Although I, I wonder, I want, I, cause I always thought Nick Batum wanted to play the two. So I don't know how he feels about shifting over to the three. He's definitely going to have to take more responsibility on defense. Yeah, he's going to have to play a little first. defense. That's, that's the one, that's the one. But, but, but look, now it's the second half of the season. Now it's time to go. I it's think time it's time to get, to get serious. So I, I, I think, you know, you saved, you used PJ and you saved up some of Nick Batum's energy as we enter this stretch run. One thing. I think he's up for the challenge. Batum was the last lead of the floor. He was out there getting extra shots up. So I, I'm sure he knows the importance of this final stretch. There you go. Well, thanks so much for listening. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. And, of course, listen to ESPN 7:30 a.m. anytime anywhere at espn730.com for Justin I'm Doug saying stay bought in stay believing all hail the teal and purple takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17